We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Thursday evening. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. Excited to uh, talk about the wrap-up of training camp. It's been uh, a long off-season, obviously, as we have continued to say, but the Chargers are heading towards their final preseason game tomorrow against the San Francisco 49ers, and uh, we got a lot to talk about uh, leading up to that game. So Tyler's here, as always, man. Tyler, what's up? How are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. One more game tomorrow. Very late, unfortunately, but we will not be staying up to uh, rec- uh, record after it, record on Saturday. So at least have some time to sleep. Yes, it's a uh, 7 p.m. Pacific kickoff uh, on a Friday night. Can't say it's my favorite scheduling uh, football event I've, I've ever been a part of, but, you know, it is what it is. So um, like Tyler mentioned, we'll, uh, you know, obviously be reacting during the game on social media and things like that. But we are going to go live on Saturday morning to uh, kind of break down that game and also give our 53 man roster prediction. Um, you know, we'll be able to kind of get a lot of clarity. I'm hoping for some of these uh, roster battles that the Chargers have left to uh, sort out this weekend. So um, roster cutdown day is on a Tuesday. Um, and that's when we will be uh, recording our reaction to the roster cuts on the Chargers channel, which will be going live on Wednesday. So uh, busy few days. We've seen some trades in the NFL happening today. I'm sure we will probably see some more. Um, who knows if the Chargers will get in on that action, but they'll probably just wait and see what happens on cut down day. Regardless, this is the busiest time in the NFL. You know, the whole like roster changes is is 
new this year. I mean, every player that's been on the 90 man roster has been able to play in, in every preseason game, which I think has, has helped some guys kind of get sorted out. But uh, I cannot imagine going straight from 90 to 53 as like a, a personnel guy or like a head coach. This is going to be pretty stressful time for them. And obviously the players as well, who are kind of waiting for that call. So uh, going to be tense the next couple of days. Yeah, this has got to be the toughest overall group of guys where you got to cut some guys you really like. Yeah. A lot of fan favorites. Like I'm kind of guessing Elijah Dotson until he you know breaks out on Friday, and he might. But like that's a guy everyone's going to hate to cut, but they're going to have to. Gerard Clark, just by way of other guys also doing really well, you know he's probably not going to make it at this point. We'll see. And that's going to hurt. You know, there's a lot of players that have performed so well on both sides of the ball that deserve a spot. So it'll be a really good practice squad or they'll get a chance somewhere else. And if they do, great. Good for them. Yeah. yeah I'm always interested to see where these guys end up. Teams are very active. I think, you know, the Bears last year claimed like nine players off of waivers after cutdown day. So um, these rosters, you know, it's important to remember that this is these are usually initial 53 men rosters for a reason. Obviously, we've seen the Chargers make some moves in, in that regard every single year on cutdown day. So um, it's going to be important to remember that that 53-man roster is probably not going to be set, set in stone. Um, you know, there will probably be some movement that happens after that. So um, on today's show, we're going to kind of wrap up the coverage of training camp. We'll have some final takeaways from this week. Um, it's been kind of a, a pretty busy week. Chargers went full pads yesterday to try and, you know, finish off camp on a, on a high note. Um, and we're also going to be, you know, kind of ranking the top five for performers from training camp, which I think is a pretty loaded question, depending on how you want to approach it. So I'm excited to see how each of us handle that. Um, Tyler, what's kind of your, your biggest takeaway from this week of practice and maybe how it kind of relates to a storyline from camp that we can kind of look forward to for the season? Uh, Keenan Allen scored four touchdowns on the final day of <laughs> camp, and and that not yeah. he's not had a day like that so far, I don't think, but it really just puts a final stamp on what has been the best camp I can remember from him in, in quite a while. Um, not that I've attended every one, but since they've arrived at Jack Hammett and, and did training camp over there, I, I can't remember a better camp from him, honestly. Like he looks yeah. he looks better. Some say he looks faster. I would tend to agree. He's been dominant. Um Spoiler, he'll make my top five for best performers of, of camp and Same. pretty pretty easily so. Yeah. Um, he's been fantastic. And, and just finishing things off with, you know, four touchdowns is incredible. And it really feels like any day, even the Saints day, where like the report was the offense struggled, they couldn't get anything going except Keenan Allen. Like, and that yeah. worked. <laughs> and that was kind of how it felt last year, too. It's like, okay, Joe Lombardi's offense, maybe it's not working. Okay, but Keenan Allen on third down, that worked. Um, his his spot is a, a safe as it could be this year and probably next year. I just think if you look at the way he's performing, if he can carry that into the season, he's going to be phenomenal. And I think that you know we're, we're all, fans are very worried about the injuries, of course, and that's kind of a thing that's sometimes unfairly associated with him, considering how much he's played since since after he was hurt so much. Yeah. So, He's got that all behind him for the most part. And last year was just kind of kind of fluky and a little bit coming back too early. But he's poised for a huge year. And we'll talk about him later, of course. But he's 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 finished camp strong. He's been an outstanding dominant performer all of camp. Yeah, I mean, 
you mentioned the, the Saints week, right? Like he was arguably the best player on the offense that week against the Saints. And in some of that, it's just kind of out of necessity. And I've really loved seeing the different role that Kellen Moore has all of these receivers playing, but particularly Keenan Allen. And he's talked about this, you know, um, being, you know, resigned to being a basically a big slot receiver in Joe Lombardi's offense. And again, some of that's kind of out of necessity, you know, the, the slot in that uh, Saints offense is so important. And Keenan obviously is, is really great in the slot. But him being able to get out wide and run some vertical routes, which we've seen time and time again, you know, be something that is a very underrated asset of his. You know, he is able to get deep. It's Of course, it's going to take him a little bit longer to get there than somebody who runs like a 4-3. But, you know, he can do that kind of stuff. And he's so good at the top of routes creating separation. And then he's really underrated at the high point of the catch as well. So, you know, he's shown off the whole bag in training camp. And, you know, whether it's Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Jackson, Marcus Lattimore, Alante Taylor, like he's had a fantastic training camp. Um, and I, I think, like, it's a good reminder for us because there's there's so much talk this summer about, like, you know, the future of this team. And I think rightfully so, like this is an, a very important season an all in season, but some of that has kind of led to not really appreciating Keenan Allen for what he has been for this team and what he's, he's probably going to be for this team again this year. Um, and I, I think just like, there hasn't been enough talk about how good he's been in the summer, in my opinion. And this week was kind of like the icing on the cake in that with in that regard with four touchdowns on the final day of training camp. Yeah, he's never it's the same thing with him. Why he's never really in that conversation. It's partially just touchdowns. The guy was like six, 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 three, <laughs> six, like his whole career. Like he one year does, of eight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Woo, what a big year for him. <laughs> you know, he's just never that kind of touchdown score, never really that big numbers guy. But I don't know. So I guess he's always underappreciated in that regard. And there's always like the new shiny toy sort of thing. Mike Williams. Josh Palmer, Quentin Johnson. It's always that new guy. Like, what's he going to do for the offense? Yeah. And you forget that all these guys are just pieces that contribute to the offense and are a very important part of the offensive course. But it still runs through Keenan Allen. Until he's not on the team, it's not going to run through anybody else in terms yeah. of the receivers. Like, it is still Keenan Allen's offense in terms of the receiving core. So, yeah, I'm really excited. We'll see. I, I feel like some people are starting to, to see, especially after, you know, Popper's report, People are starting to jump back on that Keenan Allen could do this sort of thing. Everyone talks about, you know, Herbert, of course, but, you know, Keenan's going to benefit so much. And I think he's 700 yards away from getting to 10,000 for his career. That'll happen by, you know, the midpoint of the season, to be completely honest, I think. Yeah, there's there's definitely a uh, record watch going to be happening for Keenan Allen. He's, I think, uh, 159 away from tying Antonio Gates' record for most receptions for the franchise. I think he's 2,600 yards away. So that's obviously a few more uh, few more seasons away probably. But, you know, I think this summer just reaffirmed he is wide receiver one. Like there's obviously a role for Mike Williams, and he's very, very good at that role. And, you know, Joshua Palmer has been really good for, um, you know, his role, and I'm excited to see what happens with him. But Keenan Allen has reaffirmed this is I'm the guy, like, this is my this is my room, I'm wide receiver one, and I think he's going to cruise to 100 plus catches, 1200 yards, probably six touchdowns exactly again. But we'll see, maybe he's a little <laughs> bit more involved in the red zone. But I think yeah. he's going to have a fantastic season and just kind of 
remind people how good he is and how important he is specifically to Justin Herbert, as we've kind of talked about on this show. Yeah. My, my students, you know, I told them I'm a chargers fan. They asked like, who's your favorite player? A lot of players to pick from. I said, Keenan Allen. I really think as a guy, you know, the, the guy that was drafted the year I got my season tickets, how long he's been with the team, what he means to the team. He's my favorite player on the chargers. So I hope he has an awesome, awesome season this year. And as Scott says, like, I hope he wins a ring. You know, one yeah. of the, I, w- I want Herbert to win, of course. At this point, that's just more because of the anti-Herbert stuff. But like Keenan has been through so much with this team. Yeah. I hope he wins one. Yeah, he's he's obviously the bridge. I mean, Joey as well, but Joey's not. He's never been that kind of like vocal presence to really like command everything. But you know, Keenan was the bridge between San Diego and LA. Like he's had all of the injuries. Like he's been through a lot of bad seasons with the Chargers, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would love to see him. You know, obviously retire with the team and, and win a ring with the team. So I think this is kind of segues to what I wanted to talk about t- today as well, which is just kind of how the wide receiver room has kind of come together and coalesced and the roles have kind of really begun to solidify. And obviously there was a lot of, you know, conversation about wide receiver three in particular. Um, you know, if Quentin Johnson was going to be able to really seize that role, if Joshua Palmer was going to be able to hold him off. You know, how was Mike Williams going to fit into that equation? What kind of role is that going to be impacted with these guys? Um, and, and, you know, we've seen Joshua Palmer really, really rise to the occasion in a similar way that um, Asante Samuel Jr. has risen to the occasion. I think you could probably pin those two together at this point. But um, Joshua Palmer has not just kept Quentin Johnson at bay. I think he's pretty easily outperformed him throughout training camp. And that was kind of cemented this week as well when Joshua Palmer just had uh, some some great plays uh, all throughout the last couple of weeks of practice. And, you know, t- <laughs> we keep saying this, but like people should be really excited about Joshua Palmer this year. And, <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's a really fantastic player and he, him coming out of training camp with this kind of performance just really solidifies how talented and good this wide receiver room can be in 2023 and it also gives them some flexibility with quentin they can really kind of specialize him focus in on what he does well you can expand his role whenever there is necessity and and really allow him to you know come into his own throughout the season and so um we talked about keenan i definitely wanted to highlight joshua palmer as well because he has really had a fantastic summer and solidified his 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 self as wide receiver three in my opinion yeah Please root for teams to be good, your team to be good. <laughs> if Joshua Palmer emerges as the wide receiver three, and I think he has, he deserved it. Like, I don't want to hear, yeah. oh, you know, we should have done this. Josh Palmer earned it, dude. And it could have been any of the receivers that they drafted. Josh Palmer just flat out has had a really good camp yeah. and has been very, very, very consistent. And part of it was like, okay, like day one, I'm watching and he's like, you know, great catch, you know, Moss over Santa Samuel Jr. But like, all right, you know, Quentin Johnson's kind of doing that too. And it was a good like neck and neck. And then Palmer got hurt or whatever it was just briefly. And he was out for just a bit. And you're like, okay, well, this is the official Quentin Johnson. Here we go. And it didn't happen. And then part of that's Quentin Johnson's inconsistencies. And Daniel Popper has done a good job keeping track of those inconsistencies over, you know, day by day by day by day. But Josh Palmer looks great. And he's earned the right to be out there as a wide receiver three. You know, he he's modeled so much and, and it seems like he's tried and, and talked as much about this trying to be like keenan allen sometimes like and just modeling everything he does after him 
whether it's you know working and being such a hard worker and the consistency, um, working on the jugs machine, working with extra with Herbert, getting that chemistry, the route running, everything. And it's it's cool to see that Keenan Allen in this, you know, he said, Hey, there's a wide receiver that was drafted. They're trying to replace me, sort of like they did in 2017. <laughs> like they're testing me. And it's kind of cool that Josh Palmer went, Yeah, me too. Wait a minute. I'm not gonna let them yeah. do that. And you see, you know, Palmer, the guy who was counted out after they drafted a receiver in the first round, and the quote unquote aging Keenan Allen. You know, Quentin Johnson is there because they want to eventually replace one of those guys or they want to upgrade over one of those guys. Both those guys are going, nah, not happening. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, the, the roles are interesting to watch because Palmer has mostly been working as kind of like the Z receiver, which is is kind of like the backside receiver. Um, they all kind of rotate, like I said earlier. Um, Mike Williams is, is mostly the X Keenan Allen is mostly the slot. Joshua Palmer is mostly the Z and then they kind of move around and Quentin Johnson is definitely going to have a role on this team. Like he, the skill set he provides is still so unique to this team and to this room that he's going to be very, very important. And his role is just kind of different. So like we haven't really seen him work as the Z a whole lot. It's mostly been as the X or in the slot which is a different role than what Joshua Palmer has played. You know, John Hightower gets more Z snaps than Quentin Johnson does. And so it, it's just like, it's going to give them a lot of flexibility. And we talked about this with uh, on the Chargers channel with Thule and Chris Rumpf, you know, being able to keep Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack fresh, you know, Joshua Palmer and Quentin Johnston are going to be able to do the same kind of thing for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I mean, remember, in week one against the Raiders and, you know, obviously Keenan gets hurt in that game, but it was three receivers. Like it was the three guys and, and Deandre Carter only came into play after Keenan got hurt. And then in week two, it was the three guys. It was Deandre Carter, Joshua Palmer, and Mike Williams. Like there was no wide receiver rotation last year uh, at, unless it was absolutely necessary. So this year, I think they just have a lot more flexibility. The depth is is obviously risen to the occasion. Um, we'll see if they end up keeping six or, or just the five. But, you know, these four guys are just going to give this team so much flexibility on offense. And um, it, it's worked out really, really well. Obviously, like, if Quentin Johnson had seized that wide receiver three role, great. Like, he's a first-round talent. That would have made a lot of sense. Um, it's been a little bit more up and down than I think people would have hoped, but the, the ups have still been really, really awesome to watch. And so I'm definitely not down on Quentin Johnson by any means, but this room as a whole, I think would be stock up because they've all had really good camps in my opinion. Yeah. And that's the thing like Quentin Johnson, not getting wide receiver three doesn't mean he had a bad camp. Palmer just had a really, right. really, really good camp. Right. And Quentin Johnson was pretty good too. And they're, of course they'll say this, but they were happy with his development from OTAs till now. And I'd say so. I think just based on what he did in the last game, the way he can run routes is a bit different. Even just the stuff he did in shorts at OTAs, you know, you're watching it, you're like, that's that's not really what he was asked to do at TCU. So he's definitely come a long way. This was a player that I think we got very excited about from OTAs and the beginning of training camp. Yeah. But when he was drafted, I think we do have to remember what we really felt about him when we watched him play football in college. This was not a project, but a player that needed a lot of work. I needed to learn some things, learn from the best. You know, Chris Beatty, all these guys, the coaches, right. the receivers. It was going to take some time. And I guess the good news is what we thought was a struggle for of his coming out of college is kind of what he needs to be working on right now. But that's there's no like new thing 
that I'm really worried about, I guess. So that's good. Um, so hopefully he just takes that development and continues to go. Yeah, regarding Alan's uh, super tra- super chat question, which we uh, always appreciate. Sorry. He, nope. <laughs> he says, considering the reports of drops, how long do you think Q? How long do you how long do you think before QJ reaches the level of Herbert's trust that Keenan, Mike, and JP have? I mean, I saw him throw go balls to Michael Bandy um, last <laughs> year, so I don't think he cares. I think he's just gonna have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, like I think there's going to be design shots for Quentin Johnson. Obviously, um, you know, there's there's certainly a rapport and certainly things that you work on in terms of timing and stuff like that. It's going to take a while. Like you know, you you can't throw a jump ball the same way to uh, Quentin Johnson that you do to Mike Williams. You can't do it the same way to Josh Palmer. So there's little things like that that will take a little bit. Um, and Keenan talked about this on uh, the Bustin' with the Boys podcast. It was like halfway through the season with Rivers where he felt mm-hmm. like we were 100% in sync. And I, I think that's a good amount of time. You know, they haven't played a game together yet, but I think they'll get there. Um, regarding the drops, I actually really liked his quote that he said about this yesterday where he knows what kind of issues are, are leading to the drops. And that it's kind of like a lack of aggression in on his part that he needs to be he needs to go aggressively after these after these passes. And I, I think it's great that he has that mentality. And he was saying that I work on this every single day. I'm aware of the problem. I, I know how I need to improve. And I think we've seen him, you know, make some strides in that regard. And I think that, you know, at TCU, it was a lot of body catches with the Chargers. It, 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 he's definitely made a more concerted effort to catching with his hands and being aggressive after the ball. So I think that that has been impressive. And just like his route running, I think is, is significantly more advanced than I thought it was going to be at this time. Uh, after watching his tape, it wasn't like he was great off of the line. It's not like he was great. You know, his best attribute as a route runner, I think was creating separation at the top of routes. We've seen that come to fruition, but I thought his release game was needing some refinement. I thought, like in the middle of routes needed some refinement and we've seen that come to fruition already. So he's improving at a lot of the things at wide receiver. And uh, I, I, like, I still think what we said during the draft process reigns true that if he hits, he has the highest upside of the class because of his, you know, physical ability and just like freakish size and everything like that. So I don't think anybody should be down on Quentin Johnson by any means. It's just that there are some things that he needs to clean up a little bit more. Yeah. And I need to see it in, a game yeah i don't know look people are doing the whole jamar chase thing or maybe they've stopped finally i don't know but i i, I do want to see it in a regular season game when it matters when you yeah. have to go get it and if herbert is throwing it will you go get it and i, I think he i think he'll at least go for it not like mike williams because nobody doesn't like mike williams but i think he'll he'll give it his best effort i'm glad he's like yeah i need to work on this here's what i need to work on i am working on it and good because he didn't have a great contested catch rate in college so I'm glad that he's like, you know, I need to work on that. Like I just need to specifically get that because I'm getting open and I'm talented. I'm athletic. Now I got to go get it because these corners aren't just going to let me have it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Tyler, did you have uh, another takeaway that you wanted to uh, bring up here uh, from this week or from camp as a whole? Ooh, camp as a whole, uh, sort of, you know, Daniel Popper talked about JT Woods like last the day before, like Monday's practice or whatever, mm-hmm. being one of his splashiest plays and picking off Justin Herbert. That's great. Like we've talked about JT Woods a lot, so I don't feel like I need to rehash a lot of that um, today. 
but yeah. you know, good to see him continue to stack these plays together. It's not just like, well, that was a really good day. And then that's kind of it. It's this day, that day, scrimmage, um, preseason, other preseason game yesterday. So I'm glad to see him stacking these days together. Yeah, that's been really good to see. Mark Webb has been back at practice as well. So, um, you know, there is there are some players who I think that really need to prove themselves. And Brandon Staley kind of highlighted this. And I do think Mark Webb is, is one of them, at least in terms of his roster spot. Um, one thing I definitely want to talk about is is the tight end position and and specifically Trey McKitty's spot on this team. Let's do it. Um, Brandon Staley's not been the most positive uh Coach speak regarding Trey McKitty's status on the team. I think his preseason has been really up and down. I think his camp has been up and down mm-hmm. um, in a way that I was hoping would have not been the case after he went to tight end you and, and put in the work and, you know, any chances of him kind of hitting his stride haven't really come to fruition yet. I thought that his blocking against the Rams was fine. Uh, I thought he had some good moments in that game. And then I thought it was pretty bad against the Saints. And, you know, he was Brandon Staley was asked about Mark Webb and Trey McKitty and about Trey. He was basically saying that he still needs to prove himself that Friday night against the 49ers is is a very important step in his evaluation. And so the tight end position this week has been discussed a lot, specifically because of Trey McKitty's role and Stone Smart is, is coming along. So what do you make of this room? I know that we highlighted it all spring long. They didn't address the position. <laughs> Um, where are you at with the tight end room? We haven't seen Gerald Everett, obviously. I think we feel good about his role and his his potential, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and he's earned that. But we wanted Donald Parham back. He hasn't really stood out in camp. Trey, Trey McKitty is not playing great. Stone Smart has come on recently, but you know he's played the position for like four games in his life. So what do you make of this tight end room right now? <laughs> I mean, I feel like you summed it up. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Like, what am I supposed to do with that? McKitty has two yards in the preseason, or, yeah, I believe the whole preseason, which is not great. You know, I understand that they didn't draft him to necessarily be the receiving tight end. You know, they don't expect him to be Dalton Kincaid out there. But I don't know, man. It's just been been very underwhelming. Now, if we made it honorable mentions, and we might talk about honorable mentions later for top five, I don't think he'd be close to six. But I think Gerald Everett does deserve some honorable mention. I feel like he's been good this summer. Yeah. Every time I read Daniel Popper's articles, it's like something, something, something ever in the red zone for a touchdown. And like the drives just cap off for the Gerald Everett touchdown. So I don't know where he'd be, but I think he deserves mention for that. But the rest of the room has been very, very underwhelming. And I think there were, there were moments where at least attend. Now it's different when I, we haven't been attending camp. Sometimes just being able to attend it, and especially if, if, if Daniel Popper's on the other field watching the defense, you ain't hear nothing about the offense. Right. Sometimes it's nice to just be there to get eyes on what maybe you're focusing on. But it felt like Everett was the short yardage guy, and then Parham was like the chunk play down the field guy. That felt like a really good one, too. And then McKitty sprinkled in here and there, and you just kind of hoped he improved as a blocker. Just haven't really heard that. Haven't really heard about you know much about Donald Parham. Haven't heard much about Trey McKitty these days. I'm glad Stone Smart is coming along strong. That's awesome. I think if he has another really great game, maybe he makes the team. But, you know, we were worried about the safety room, the tight end room, and the tackle room. And I, I particularly was just 
worried about the blocking depth to begin with. Give me anybody. Give me something. Yeah. And just seeing really both blocking units, the, t- the tight ends and the tackles, not look so hot. It's a bummer. So I'm very curious if Kellen Moore just kind of goes, well, we're not using tight ends much this year because I just don't. What, what do you what do you do? You know, <laughs> like w- we saw last year how the entire line could be playing well and the backs could basically go where they're supposed to. Yeah. And the tight end just kind of ruins the entire play. Now, I hope it's not always that bad. Maybe a different run game will help, but. I don't know. It's not a group that inspires a lot of confidence, and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, it's. it really feels like McKitty and Parham and, frankly, Tone Smart, like their best possible scenario is as a tight end three. And unfortunately, they're all probably like vying for tight end two right now. So it's it's really frustrating to watch. Like there's, there's plays where, you know, McKitty and Parham are in and they're just not connected, you know, as a blocking unit. You know, there was that play that I tweeted about, you know, the, the Chargers did kind of that um, toss, uh, a crack toss play out to the left side. And Zion looked great. Will Clapp looked great, you know, and Joshua Kelly just had nowhere to go because the Titans just get beat instantly. Like it, it it's so frustrating because it's like, yeah, the inside run stuff is great. They're going to be really good at that. You can't do that every run play. Like you have to have some variety <laughs> no. to your run game, and they just can't do that right now because of the tight end room. And frankly, Xander Horvath is is in that conversation as well. I've not been pleased That's with his fair. blocking performances either. Um, so it's just frustrating. Like I I figured like I I kind of understood why they didn't draft a tight end. Like you play the you play the board, and I understand that you know Luke Schoonmaker going in the fifties like probably kind of threw a, a wrench in their plans and yeah Arnold Washington's knee issues and all this stuff. I, I understood why they didn't draft anybody, but they didn't sign anybody either. Like there was no competition outside of the guys that they were bringing back. Like we heard that there was some dialogue between um, them and Jeff Swain, but it, it was never really like anything real. Like obviously he's, he signed with the Cardinals. Yeah. And now we're back at this point where it's like, okay, you went through the whole season last year and tight end blocking was a concern and you didn't do anything to address it. And now it's back to being a big concern. So it's just been frustrating. Like I, I understand people are excited about stone smart right now, but he's not the answer to their problem. He doesn't help their problem in that room because he's more of like an H back blocker. He's like a, like a Steven Anderson kind of person. So mm-hmm. he's not an inline blocker and right now. They don't really have anybody that can, be a tone setter and seal the edge and, and all that stuff. So it's just, it's frustrating to see their lack of practice at the position is really coming back to bite them right now. Yeah. They were hoping, and I understand this to an extent. They were hoping that Trey McKitty would rebound and he still might. Again, this is very early. You know, they were hoping Donald Parham would listen. He, he was a good blocker. I think he still can be. And, and maybe he still is. I don't know. It's just, there's no what is the identity of this blocking unit at, at tight end? I feel like you watch the Seahawks against the Chargers last year, and it's one, two, three. You have three tight ends who know exactly <laughs> what they're doing, are excellent at it, and unfortunately beat up the Chargers pretty good because pretty good. <laughs> they had a gosh darn identity. They knew what to do. You know, the 49ers watch some of their long plays. That, that extends to receivers too, but like the tight ends, the blocking, obviously Kyle Juszczyk. Now, they have George Kill and Kyle Buschek. It's a very different thing. I'd love to have those guys. 
But still, like there is an identity in the blocking there with those guys that extends beyond the offensive line, which has Trent Williams and good for them. Yeah. So I, I hope that for a team that wants to, you know, finish running the ball or be physical or do all this and change the run game, I hope that, you know, next year or hey, even if someone gets cut, they take a look at these blocking tight ends because everyone needs a couple of Virgil Greens. You know, was Virgil Green a superstar? No. But they were a lot better when he was on the field and blocking well. Yeah. And I hope that they find another guy who can do something like that. Yeah, it's just it's surprising watching, you know, the Cowboys offense and how important the tight ends were. And the Cowboys were still very, you know, high up with 11 personnel usage. But, you know, they had a really great balance of tight end blocking to go with everything. And it it, it takes good runs to great runs like we how we hear that all the time. Right. And if you don't have quality blocking tight ends, you're asking your offensive line to be like perfect on every single run play. And your running backs have to be perfect and make people miss. And like, it just puts so much more pressure on the, the line and the backs. And it's just, it's an unnecessary thing really. And I, I hope that they are active next week regarding that position. If they wanted to go trade for Kobe Parkinson, I would be thrilled. I would jump over the moon probably because he's a fantastic player, I think. There's some other guys out there that they could potentially trade for, but you know, just give me something. You know, if the Cardinals cut Jeff Swain, like bring him in. I don't care. Like just go get somebody. Nick Vanette on the Texans is kind of buried on the on the depth chart. Like, go get him, go bring him in. And uh they just need some help at that position. And you know, it's unfortunate. I would have loved to see Trey McKitty come in and, and just have a great camp, but it's it's been more down than up right now. Yeah. So it's early. I am hoping for better. And it still could be there. But again, process versus results. Yes. The process of getting another blocking tight end or another better tackle. It's a better process. Um, the hope of the results are at least good. Yeah. Um, had a, a super chat from Matt uh, Meter, who is uh, a longtime member. Appreciate him uh, sending the super chat. He says, appreciate the content from you guys. Cheers to another season. We really appreciate the uh, positive feedback there. You'd have a question as well. Fully healthy season from the wide receiver group. Any estimate on yardage stat lines for each guy? We kind of dove into this. Has anything changed for you after training camp, though? Yeah, whatever I said, Keenan was more, more, more. <laughs> um, and obviously, whatever I said for Josh Palmer, it's going to be more. more. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. Again, one injury could change so much. But, I mean, are you predicting Josh Palmer to have more yards than Quentin Johnson? I, I might. We'll see, you know, because things definitely can change and you do want Quentin Johnson to play a lot and, and justify the pick, but they're also sort of seemingly content with him just learning for a year. Yeah. A nice, like kind of redshirt year, which fans are going to hate, but you know, they, they want him to be the superstar that they think he can be. And that might take some time. So, um, Mike Williams is the one I got to revisit. Yeah. That's the interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure about that one because like, Again, he can have like 200 yards in one game and then, you know, 15 the other. Yeah. And so th he's a tough one to figure out. Yeah. I I think we have to be like slightly stocked down on Mike Williams just because Palmer has looked so good. Quentin Johnston will certainly have a bigger role. Um, Gerald Everett, like you mentioned, has had a really good camp. I, I think that Mike Williams is still going to be very clearly the wide receiver too. You know, he's going to be playing on the slot more, which I think is going to help his efficiency. 
but in 2021, Mike Williams had more yards than Keenan, and I don't, I don't think that's happening this year. No, that's funny. The last time the Chargers drafted a receiver in the first round, Keenan had the most yards of his career. Yep. So I think he's gonna, well, again, whatever, whatever I thought he was gonna have, I, I think he'll hit the over on it. He just, he just seems like a man on a mission out yeah. there. Yeah, he really does. He really does. All right, Tyler, last thing that I wanted to uh, dive in today is this quarterback room. Uh, Brandon Staley kind of leaving the door open that they might keep two quarterbacks this year. And he was asked about the uh, <laughs> he was asked about the new rule from the NFL that would allow these teams to, if they choose to keep a third quarterback, that that third quarterback does not affect your game day roster as much. So um, basically, for those who are unfamiliar with it, um, your third quarterback would still count for the 53-man roster, but it would allow you to have an extra player active on game day, so to speak. So it kind of gives you an advant- a disadvantage, if you will, on the 53, but an advantage with the 48 and basically allows you to keep 49 players active on each given game day. Brandon Study was asked about that. And he obviously acknowledges that they've kept three quarterbacks uh, each of the years that he's been on the team. The Chargers have kept three quarterbacks for as long as I can remember, um, you know, with Tom Telesco at least. So he he did leave it open. He said every new every year is different. Every year is new, and and we'll see how it shakes out. How much are you buying Max Duggan potentially being on the uh, chopping block here? Jeez. This feels like a, a pride versus, I don't know what the other word is, production sort of thing, where it's like you don't want to admit that maybe you were wrong, that you shouldn't have taken on a quarterback. Hmm. At the same time, like, I got Drog Clark, CJ Okoye, Elijah Dotson, John Hightower, Stone Smart. Like, there's a lot of guys that really should be on this team. Yeah. And respectfully, they're not playing Max Duggan this year. Like, if if Herbert gets hurt and stick his QB2 in the game, you know, great. But if he, Herbert gets hurt, the moment that game ends, they're probably just signing another quarterback if Herbert yeah. got that hurt. Yeah. Max Duggan's not playing this year. I, I, I agree. Like, Max Duggan is QB3, like, even if Herbert gets hurt. I agree. Yeah. So, what do you... I don't know, man. Like the the pick itself was like, oh come on. And whoever <laughs> whoever made the sick joke that they would take him after taking two C two C two TCU guys, this is your fault. Yeah. Um I hope he develops and Easton Stick has certainly improved. Um, so I hope that's kind of what he can do. And Duggan is very talented. I just I don't know how you can look at and I've, we've said this every year with the QB three situation. How right. can you look at all these guys and go? I'm going to keep a third quarterback instead. And so I don't know. I get there's maybe some justification there because Herbert has been hurt now, you know, has, has had some nagging injuries. So I, I get, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm trying to like say something positive. <laughs> it'll just, it'll never come to Max Duggan being the quarterback for the chargers this year or many years. Yeah. And I, I just don't think you're super worried about cutting him and him and losing him. I, I don't know. They didn't even play him in the last right. preseason game. So I, I feel like this conversation is maybe like 26 hours too early. 
And I think we'll find out tomorrow evening what the answer really is. If they don't play him in the final preseason game and then they keep him, I don't know what we're doing. Like, what would, what would the point of that have been? So hopefully he at least plays and plays well. Yeah, I like obviously I, I hope for his sake he develops, right? And, you know, his his story is very unique. And I think there's a lot of intangibles there that can lend, lend itself towards him developing. But they haven't been super intentional with getting him reps. They've been very intentional with getting Easton Stick a ton of reps this year. And obviously that that showed in the biggest way possible against the Saints last week. But even in practice, you know, we'll see Easton Stick get six, seven, eight drives and Max Duggan will get like two or three, you know, and, and maybe that's normal. But I feel like it's more pronounced this year with trying to get the QB two a lot more reps than they have in the past. Um, and Max Duggan hasn't really had a ton of great moments. I mean, he's he's had some really good runs and that's who he is. But um, I. If they're going to cut him, I would not be surprised, but I, I still have such a hard time like wrapping my head around them doing that because they kind of did the same thing with Easton Stick. Like this was right, you know, they've they've kind of always kept three quarterbacks. And you know, Tom Telesco has done that every year that I that I can recall. And you know, whether it was Cardell Jones or Stick, or they they've always kept that third guy around. And so it's just would I be shocked? If they cut Max Duggan, no, because they haven't really given him a chance. But like, I, I just, I just have a hard time like picturing them cutting him. So it's, it's a weird thing. Like you said, if he doesn't play at all tomorrow night, then yes, I think you are, we're talking about him being cut. But I, I don't know. It, it's just, I don't know how much I buy it. It's, it's a, it's weird thing for me to get a read on right now. Yeah. I'm preparing myself for them to keep him. I just always find it difficult every year. And and this year, not more so, I think, because he's not playing and he hasn't really been like elite just yet. Hasn't been exactly great. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to do our 53-man roster prediction on Saturday, obviously. It's going to be interesting to see what they do do with Max Duggan. Because like you said, if Herbert gets hurt, I think they would just sign a veteran to back up stick. Like, yeah. go sign somebody else who's on the street right now and, and figure it out. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Steven, my dog is complaining. Answer some questions. I'll be right back. I'm going to let her out real quick. <laughs> all right. Galadriel was uh, climbing all over Tyler uh, last episode. Today, she's uh, needing to go out in the middle of the episode. It is what it is. All right. I'll take some questions here for a second as uh, we wait for Tyler to get back, and then we'll rank our uh, top five guys. So uh, if you guys have anything, fire away. Um, Kevin asking, is it more expensive to cut him than resign him? You know, with Max Duggan being a seventh round pick, there's really no changes there. I mean, the same thing is, uh, same thing kind of happened with Mark Webb where his, his, uh, salary doesn't really change. Um, if you cut him because seventh round picks are basically like undrafted free agent scales. So financially there's, there's not any real, uh, implications there. Uh, Jared Welker says Blake Bell tight end is going to get from cut from KC. Um, he could be our revenge on Drew. I would love that. I would love to have Blake Bell. We'll see what happens there. But they they need to address the position for sure. Uh, Howard strike Brock Bowers season. I'm afraid. Listen, man, <laughs> if Brock Bowers gets on the chargers, I think that means the Chargers season went very, very wrong. But, uh, that guy is in an insane prospect. I would love to see it. Obviously. Uh, Jorge asking who is your surprise cut? I don't know if I necessarily have one this year. Um, I feel like we've kind of known about most of them. Um, I guess McKitty could be a surprise based off of how Telesco has usually operated, but we just spent a whole segment talking about how bad he is. <laughs> so I don't know if that classifies as a surprise right now. Um, I guess they could cut Jalen Guyton like outright as opposed to like waiting for him to rehab. That could be a surprise. Mm, I think that's about it. All right. Tyler's back. Tyler, any thoughts on a potential surprise cut? Ooh. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Let me think. Surprise cut. Okay. Running back? No. Quarterback? No. Receiver? No, unless you count Guyton. But I that's what I just said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, does Horvath count? I, I guess not really, and I don't think they're cutting him. So I guess it, I guess that's a surprise. Um, I don't know, Nick Neiman. Not that's the kind of the best I can come up with. Um, I really don't think there's a surprise cut on here that I can think of. Yeah. Um, Scott Child says people mentioned Matlock as a bubble guy. He's not on the bubble. He's been very good, good, very good at practice. He's had some really good moments in the preseason. Um, he's really like their only 
pass rusher, like true pass rusher outside of Morgan Fox in that room. So um, he's he's making it. I think he's had a really good camp. I think he's exceeded expectations, um, had a blocked field goal that got called back. But, you know, I think Matlock is safe. Yeah, he's safe. Um, there was a debate that we sort of had throughout the offseason that he would be the inactive guy. I think that's possible. I think that's kind of where he ends up. What we'll see with injuries and such. Like, just, did they keep Hinton active? Did they like him more than him? I think so. So I think Hinton would play. Um, and they've continually now, I've seen it several times over the last week or two, talked about Nick Williams being like a huge leader for them, a big part yep. of them. Like Khalil Mack would talk about all the guys and Nick Williams. It's like Joey Bosa and some of these really veteran guys. And Nick Williams, like they're very... I don't know if it's high on him is the right word, the right way to say it, but they're very confident in him. Um, so yeah, Matlock, I think he'll be the inactive guy if they have a guy inactive, but not a bubble guy. No, he'll he'll make it. I, I think it's a, kind of a similar situation. Obviously, the players are different because you know one of them's not a veteran like this. But when Otito was a rookie to start out, it was kind of like Otito would be active one week, Cummington would be active the next week. They would kind of rotate that role. If they needed more pass rush, they would kind of bring in Covington. If they wanted more like run defense, then it would be Otito. So I think we could see something similar there with Matlock and Chris Hinton, you know, depending on how you feel about like needing a pass rush or needing a run defender. I think those two guys will kind of rotate in that spot. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, not not a lot of not a lot of surprises. I actually think Kevin's suggestion of Lane would probably be, I guess, my guess. Yeah, I want to make surprise. Mark Webb work, and they're like, "Well, we can only keep four. Let's go with Mark Webb." And I guess that'd be a surprise. Yeah, because Lane is—I think Lane's behind Webb on the safety depth chart. Yeah, but Lane's a core four special teamer. He's a starter mm-hmm. on all four special teams units. So I've kind of just like penciled him in the roster as a lock because of that. Yeah, um, but if they need that extra spot to go to somewhere else, who could you know be mm-hmm. a more impact player on offense or defense, then. I guess that could be a possibility. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll get back to some questions if we have some time later. But Tyler, let's get to ranking these top five camp performances. Um, let's do five and four, and then we'll separate three and two and then one. Um, so five and four for you, who would you have there? And if you want to give an honorable mention shout out, you can do that too. Ooh, honorable mention shout out. Um I now have John Hightower in the honorable mentions because I think the last two weeks, if, if you're just... It's simmered just, down, for sure. It, yeah, like you... Awesome. It was like, could have been arguably the number one guy on this list, but you miss weeks. And so you're... you're, you're it simmers down, like you said. Um, Michael Davis, honorable mention. Gerald Everett, honorable mention. Uh, Khalil Mack, in a way, honorable mention. It, it's tough. Part of this, honestly, is just the coverage that you get of some players. I wish right. I could say a whole lot about the offensive line. You don't really hear a lot about like you know, Zion or, or Jamari. Like, there's only so much coverage you get of those guys. Yeah. Um, anyway, I've left Herbert off my list intentionally. I do think he would fit in there, but I, I just like want to highlight other players. That's um, fine. So number, we can we can top five outside of Herbert. I think that's fine. So number five for me is Dean Leonard, uh, and number mm. four for me is Josh Palmer. So Dean Leonard to me has just kind of quietly, but with some great days. He's been very consistent. I don't hear or see a whole lot of him just getting beaten. And I think there was a day he had five passes broken up at the scrimmage, two targets versus Mike Williams, no catches allowed. If we're extending some preseason in there too, 
He's been really good. We talked about him from the game against the Saints. So overall in the camp, I think it's been a, a sneaky, very good one. And that's kind of why I left Herbert off the list because I wanted to give some shine to Dean Leonard, who I think has been really good. And then we talked about Josh Palmer, um, not like the best receiver, but um, on the team this camp, and we know who that is, but a very, very, very solid, consistent performer, both in the you know the shallow intermediate and working down the field. You know, there are consistently 40, 50 yard plays um, and, and highlight real sort of stuff. They feel they seem to feel very good about him being that future go get it guy. And whereas Quentin Johnson is still learning that Josh Palmer has started to really figure that out for himself. Yeah, I think a, a big part of this, I'm glad you brought up Dean. A big part of it, I think, is kind of like expectations and how much have you exceeded them? How much have you met them? Like what kind of role have you really established for yourself? Um, honorable mentions, I think Michael Davis is a great candidate there. We haven't heard a ton of buzz about him, but it's like every day I feel like, oh, Michael Davis had a pass breakup against Keenan yeah. or like interception with, you know, against Mike Williams. Like he's had really solid days, whereas, you know, Asante, who I'm sure, you know, we, we will mention later has had a lot of interceptions and like, you know, Alohi Gilman's had a lot of splash plays and Derwin James, mm-hmm. a lot of splash plays. So like, I think there's part of that where Michael Davis is just not getting targeted as much, but like he is the best cornerback on the team still, in my opinion. I think he's had a really good camp. So he's honorable mention. I think Khalil and Joey, I have a hard time like placing them here because it's just like, they've kind of just done what I expect them to do. And they also happen to go against Rashawn Slater. So it's like, they haven't made a ton of splash plays and everything like that. Um, But number five, I do want to bring back Thule. I want to bring him up here because cool. Um, you know, we talked about him quite a bit on Tuesday's show, so I don't want to revisit a ton of the takes there, but just like the consistent playmaking ability he's shown throughout the whole camp, I think has been uh, a really great thing to, to see. You know, I thought he was very, very good in the scrimmage. I thought that he was a little up and down against the Rams, but I thought he was fantastic against the Saints and a quality offensive tackle and Trevor Penning. You know, we've seen run stops we've seen tackles for loss we've seen sacks i think he need, he deserves to be highlighted there um and then i am gonna go with gerald everett at number four i, cool. I think that he's had you know just consistently making splash plays for this team i think he's elevated his role like you mentioned at the start of camp it was kind of like flats and screens and mesh concepts but we've seen him get more and more involved in the deep passing game i think again kind of out of necessity at this point but just consistently being a threat in the red zone, I think is really going to elevate his role and his ceiling on this team. And I think he's had a really good camp himself. So for me, I'll say Thule and Everett at four, at five and four. Yeah, I love those calls. And Gerald Everett, again, I, we talked about him. I'm, I'm glad you had him on there. I, I wanted, like, he was my most honorable mention, even though I might not have had him sixth. I don't know. But I really wanted to talk about him because it feels like nobody really is because um, he's always just like the end zone guy at this point, but he's been very quietly consistent. So uh, I'm excited to see what he does. Thule, awesome call there. Uh, do you not have Quentin Johnson on your list? I do not. Okay. I, I think I it's, kinda... I think he's been, I think it's been a little bit too up and down for me to put him ahead of a guy like Palmer, who is not on my list. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think that Thule and part of that's maybe expectations too. Like he's far exceeded both right. of our expectations and Quentin has too. But Tuli to a greater extent, he's been more consistent, I think. So great call there. All right, Tyler, who's uh, three and two? I think we might have the same top three. Um, but who are three and two for you? I don't. 
I think I know we have one, two of them in the top three of this. I think we both have the same number one for sure. We yeah. talked about for, about him for twenty minutes to start the show. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I guess spoilers. Keenan Allen is is my top performer of training camp. Yes, it, that one is not particularly. Cool. That was the easiest number one of the list. Um, yeah. At three, I have Morgan Fox. At two, I have Santo Samuel Jr. I don't know if you have the same. Um, yeah, so Morgan Fox for me. Asante Samuel Jr. almost comes with a bit of an asterisk because I feel like the last couple of weeks, if you read Daniel Popper's articles, you see, well, he got beat a few times or a few touchdowns this day and that day and that day. But Chris Olave just... had himself a, a good day, apparently. Which <laughs> right. Is, he's Chris Olave, but like. Right, exactly. So anyway, Asante Samuel Jr. has been wonderful. And part of this ranking, no matter what, is that he, whether you believe there was a battle or not, he did at least battle and he fought hard and looked awesome and crushed it, exceeded expectations, looked great, has earned the right to be out there and not even during the preseason. Like he gets to sit. So good for him. Um, and then, yeah, Morgan Fox, I haven't, I haven't been able to be at camp, unfortunately, to see this anymore, but just being there, being on the field, hearing the pop, seeing the bend, seeing the leverage. It's just different. Like the, the dude is just a whole different tier than he was. So I think, yeah, I'm glad we had, the, I'm glad he's on there for you because he was a guy I definitely wanted there for me. Yeah. So we have the same top three in the same order, which is fine. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, regarding Asante Samuel Jr., like I think people really mistook like us talking about the battle as like we were down on Asante Samuel Jr., which is never really the case. Um, we no. wanted to see how, we wanted to see how he would respond to being challenged with a legit competition again and in a new position. Like I think people need to really differentiate what he's done in the past versus playing in the slot. They're two very different positions in this defense, and, and really in general, you have a ton of space that you have to cover, and it's just more it's more difficult if you're not used to it to make that transition. Um, he squashed any kind of doubts, I think, at least as a, as a, uh, coverage defender, he's been, you know, arguably better than previously in every facet of the game in terms of his coverage ability. I think that fits so well with his instincts. I still need to see the run defense. Like that's still like, we, we haven't been able to like really have that concern squashed, but undoubtedly he's been their most explosive playmaker on defense in the secondary. It feels like. You know, even when he's getting beat, there are times where he's getting interceptions, he's getting pass breakups. Like he's been electric at training camp, so he's got to be at the, he's got to be on the list. But like, I still need to see him, you know, get some tackles for loss, a run stop, and and really see that because that is, I think, still going to be a concern. Um, yeah, oh, go for it. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. If you want to expand on that, go for it. No, that I was basically just going to say and reiterate what you said. Like we have not seen anything against the run. Therefore, it's difficult to place him up or down or whatever because that one thing is yet to be figured out. We don't know. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, glad he responded the way he did. And even even though Casey Hayward was like the better corner throughout the years, Desmond King was almost like a game changer for them, whether it was sack fumble on Deshaun Watson when he was with Houston, I think it was, mm-hmm. or pick six, on, pick six on Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott, like, that game-changing ability is what Zahn has. And to see him yeah. step into that spot and play so well is awesome. Because like Michael Davis is the best corner on the team. They don't try him in the slot at all. Because it's a whole different thing. And so you never really knew how Sanders Yama Jr. would respond after playing like seven snaps in two years at slot. Like it was something very, very low. Uh, looks pretty comfortable. And I'm happy yeah. with him there. Yeah, and that's... 
you know, Asante doesn't have to be like super assignment sound. He can be aggressive in the slot in more ways, I think, than he could be outside. So I'm excited to see how that comes to fruition. But Michael Davis is going to be like, he's their boundary corner. Like he's going to be the one who kind of controls that field. You know, they're going to have help on the side of of JC and Asante and they'll be able to be aggressive. And I think that's really exciting for people. But um, Asante, like I said, he's, he's elevated his stock. I think he's, he's answered any questions about like being in that position battle. I think he's handled it incredibly well. Like a lot of guys don't handle competition and new positions well like that. And I think he's been, you know, put his head down, went to work and has improved a lot as a player. Um, getting back to Morgan Fox though, I, he's been like so good at practice and not mm-hmm. just as a pass rusher. Like we know that he has that in his bag and it feels like every day it's like, Oh, Morgan Fox had another sack, sack today. He had another <laughs> pressure today. Mm-hmm. You see the clips against the saints and he was living in Derek Carr's lap and his pass rushing ability is so, so good. He's so technically refined. You know, he's able to work stunts at a really high level. But even his ability against the run, it, it was like almost equal from his, yeah. you know, ability as a as a disruptive pass rusher. Was like Morgan Fox had a tackle for loss today. Morgan Fox had a run stop today. Like he was very consistently the most disruptive defensive lineman. I think, like even above Joey and Khalil, I would say, because he's just always in the backfield. And I think he's been, you know, their best defensive lineman throughout training camp so i'm very very excited to see what this whole unit looks like like i i I know that there's a lot of skepticism about the defense but if this unit up front can hit like i think they can hit and a lot of that might hinge on austin johnson being healthy this defensive line could be really really good because morgan fox is a great player i think sebastian joseph day has had a really good camp he could be an honorable mention too we know what Khalil and Joey are. You know, we just talked about Thule. Like the potential for this defensive line is is the best it's been in in quite some time. Yeah, th- there's a world where you just line up Thule, Joey, Morgan, and Khalil, and that's four guys who could genuinely combine combine for over 200 pressures this year. And that's not getting to Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Chris Rump, and, the, and what else they can do. Um, again, I, we are more positive than negative, but we tend to be fair, neutral, whatever. Rarely do we go out of our way to just shout some hyperboles and be like, oh, my God, this. <laughs> and I, I just truly feel, having been on the field, and I, I said it when I said it the first time, Morgan Fox is just going to be in that conversation with Joey yeah. and Khalil. Like, stop neglect, not stop forgetting about Morgan Fox in that conversation. I, I hope he does. Again, we we rarely just do that, where, where we go out on a limb and just say, oh, he's going to be so whatever. Um I just the way the way he's peaked numbers, the film practices, everything lines up Morgan Fox to just be that guy. And I I think that year two, understanding his role, the way he's been playing the run, I just I just think he's in for one of those special D tackle seasons. Yeah, that we haven't seen since I don't know. Like the the best we had most years was like Corey Legion. Corey Legion. <laughs> and that was like, and he was good. But it was never like where it is with like D tackles now, where if you don't have 40 yeah. pressures, you ain't nothing that year. So we'll see. But I, I think he's just he's approaching that tier. I'm so excited to see him work week one, week two, et cetera. I think he's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that interior dolphins offensive line is uh <laughs> looking like a looking like a snack, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I think it was I think he had a good game last year, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. He sure did. He sacked Tua, had a couple other knockdowns. So, yeah, um, 
you know, again, I understand the skepticism about the defense, but I, I think this defensive line can be really, really good. And it has huge ramifications because last year the blitz rate was so high. This year you might not have to do that this year because your defensive line can actually get home with four. So it's 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 exciting times about the defense. Um, obviously, you have to talk about guys like Justin Herbert, Derwin James. Like They've had great camp. Like, I've loved to see the way that they're still moving Derwin around despite maybe having like some concerns at safety. Like they're still, you know, rotating him in an edge rusher and he's working with Gibbs Smith some days and just like being a pass rusher, which is super fun to watch. Um, You know, he had a great practice this week. He's had some other great practices. So, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Derwin, but I think some of this conversation is obviously, like I mentioned, like how have you elevated your role? We know that Justin is, we know that Herbert is still great. We know that Derwin is still great. So, have to give some shine to uh, some of the other guys sometimes. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what Derwin does. It just it feels like they've been begging to get him back to. I don't mean because of this person, but like the Gus Bradley early days where he just was playing right <laughs> up there by the line yeah. and winning, you know, off defensive rookie of the year and breaking all sorts of, you know, rookie records for safeties and stuff like that. Just Derwin James is a great safety. He can do so many things, but there's just Derwin James closer to the line of scrimmage just hits different, like literally. And there's just something different about him being there. The way that he can just take over a game like he did against the Steelers his rookie year. Um, The way he was jawing at Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, like run right at me. I don't care. That kind of Derwin James, I'm excited to see again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. We have uh, a couple first time listeners in the chat today. So appreciate it. Eric Walsh, uh, first time here, actually enjoying us. Appreciate it. Uh, he's swipe up visuals on Twitter and Instagram had an awesome, uh, graphic swap last week before the preseason game about Quentin Johnston. And I thought was fantastic. So oh, cool. uh, lots of talented people out there on uh, charger social media, Eric, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you stick around and, uh, keep crushing it out there with your, uh, swaps out, out online. Hmm, his profile picture is a SpongeBob, uh, the campfire song song. So he's in good company. <laughs> what, a, what a good guy. Yeah. And I uh, appreciate any other first-time listener here. Hopefully you guys uh, stick around uh, for through the rest of the season. So I um, appreciate all of that. Um, Tyler, any other uh, final thoughts before we head out? New fans, old fans, thank you for sticking around through an off-season that was really dry. That was a bit rough. That was, that was rough. Uh, but you guys stuck around. I appreciate it. We were almost actual games. Everyone prayer circle for player health and to win week one. So yep. we can continue to party and have fun and not be in the doldrums. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, the training camp ramp up has been fantastic. Uh, our live reaction from the Rams game was our most uh, downloaded and viewed episode since the draft. So appreciate all you guys there. Um, you know, I can't wait to talk about some actual football. And so <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be yeah. great. You know, we love covering the season and we love well, we love doing the draft, too. But nothing hits like the season when we're able to just really focus in on on Charters football. So I uh, appreciate all of you guys for tuning in live today. Appreciate everybody who listens on the audio side of things. As always, if you want to leave us a rating or a view, we do greatly appreciate that. Make sure to like subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys on Saturday. That's going to do it for us. As always, bolt up. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.